Hello there, welcome along to episode 5 of the Peter Greenwood Show at the Fringe. My name is Peter Greenwood, I am the host of this train wreck, and this is the penultimate episode. Now all week I've been saying there's 5 episodes, so what do I mean penultimate episode? Wait until the end to find out. There's a, there's a little bit of news, there's a secret I've got for y'all, but... That is for then, this is for now, and I've got so many guests coming up. I've got Frank Skinner. Can you believe that? I've got Frank Skinner on this show. He came in, he spoke to me, he held my microphone, it was wonderful. We've also got Jacob Hawley, but coming up first, I'm going to be speaking to Tanya Edwards. And the first thing that came up was the name of her show, which is titled... Don't mention it. (laughs) Are we not mentioning the show, or is that the name? That is the title of the show. It's uh, anti-PR. <laughs> <laughs> tell me a little bit about your show. So I'm a stand-up. I tell jokes about domestic bliss. Sometimes I tell the truth. And I am essentially taking a stand against the zeitgeist for oversharing. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the stiff upper lip has been swept away, hasn't it, by a tide of trembling trout pouts. And I'm, I'm, I'm basically insisting that people repress. Repress their emotions is my... Is my <laughs> It's my TED talk. I could do with seeing less trout pouts online. Yeah. Although, you know what really bugs me nowadays? The no. man bun. The man bun? Yeah. Is that, is that torturing you on a nightly basis? The man bun? It does. I think, it, I think the man bun's quite a good um, sign. Avoid me, avoid me. It's quite a helpful <laughs> indicator. Yeah, it is a bit. Like, if you're walking down the street and see something with a man bun, it's like... Do you remember in Austin Powers when there's the guy with the mole and he says, mole? If you see somebody walking down the street, you see man bun. I have to say, them. for the, for the um, benefit of the listeners, you are, without doubt, the most unlikely person to have a man bun I think I've ever met. <laughs> well, you say that. Back in my younger days, I used to have hair down to here. But I can guarantee you never put it up in a bun. I never put it in a bun. Exactly. Ponytail and pleats sometimes. Genuinely pleats. But yeah. So maybe this is, is pleats Scottish for plaits? Yes. Ah. Maybe this is just a, some sort of inner turmoil that you didn't seize the man bun moment yourself. Maybe, maybe I've... This is, this is going deep. This is therapy now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're here to talk about you. You are the guest. How are you enjoying being at the Fringe? Is it, is it fun? Um, it's a different experience this year. I'm here with my new baby, my toddler, my mother, for Aww. a considerable stretch. It's a dream come true. Um, no, it's, um, it's very different. It's not, it's not fun. <laughs> I'm looking at the festival from a purely working side. The stage bit is great. I love performing my shows. And hopefully, whenever the thing settles in, I will catch some other people's. What are you looking forward to seeing at the Fringe this year? I love stand-up. So Luke McQueen, he's always brilliant. Danny Ward, love him. Candy, Gigi Markham is absolutely sensational. She's at the Monkey Barrel this year as well. Um, There are loads of people... Stevenson, New Sanders, Jen Brister, uh, Pierre Novelli, Steve mm-hmm. Pujaya. I mean, there's so many people. Phil Wang. I mean, loads. Yeah. Loads, loads, loads. We do get a good crowd up here at the Fringe. Leo Curse, he's funny. He's got a great joke about turtles. I'm completely obsessed with it. Uh, you should check it out online. I tried to tell it to someone the other day and I massacred it brutally, so I won't do that for posterity. But jokes about turtles? It's. it's it's a, jo- it's a joke. I'm not going to ruin okay. it, but you should definitely check him out. Very it. funny joke writer. <laughs> Jeff Norcott, he's up here. Everybody. Where can people find out more about you and your show online? Well, you have a website. So modern. www.tarniaedwardscomedy.com And I'm on Twitter, at Tanya Edwards. And I'm now on Instagram, which is extremely Ooh. exciting. I've posted multiple times, at least five or six. <laughs> at the 
They're going wild in my agency. Look at this girl. She's hot on the social media. So there I'm on Tiny Redwood's comedy. It's always with an I, in case that's why I don't have a following yet, because people are still Googling my name wrong. It's with an I, folks. Yes. Yeah. Go find Tanya on the social media. Tanya on the social media. Yes, my Tanya, apologies. Tanya. Well, however you want to pronounce it, I'm really not that bothered. <laughs> Thank you for coming along today. Thank, Thank you for you your time. Thank so much for having me. My pleasure. Tanya Edwards, don't mention it, is playing at the Monkey Barrel 2 up at the Monkey Barrel and is playing on the 10th until the 13th, then from the 15th until the 25th. My next guest is Steve Bajaya. And as I did with Tanya, I started by asking him about the... Uh, Shall we say the interesting choice of the name for his show? Single Mum. Yes. There's a story there. What is... At least I assume there's a story. I am a single mum. That's what the show's about. Uh, No, it's not. It's about (laughs) my mum. It's about my mum, who was single when I was growing up. And uh, it's just the story of her kind of trying to find a partner and me helping her trying to find a stepdad. Um, when I was about seven, between the age of seven and 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a funny story, it's a heartfelt story. Um, and my mum hasn't seen it yet, so I'm looking forward to her coming <laughs> on the 15th of August. <laughs> how did, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil the end, but how did that turn out? Um, I can't tell you, because it does, that literally does oh, spoil the yeah, end. That but, does spoil the end. Uh, I can tell you that there are trials and tribulations along the way. And no, there's basically just, we just go through her dating life. I just, I basically, it's quite an unusual technique for an Edinburgh show to mm-hmm. talk about your mum's dating life. Um, but I found it fruitful. And I, I had to like remember all the men, because there was quite a lot, to be honest. Uh, I had to like go through them all. Right. And I don't want to make my mum sound bad, but she got, she got, mm-hmm. she got about. And um, she, um, I had to consult with her as well, because mm-hmm. I had to make sure the facts were right. Because obviously I was seven when some of this was happening. So I was misremembering stuff. So I had to take my mum for like a, uh, a lunch one day uh, and like quiz her about her dating life which is very unusual for a Cafe Rouge um, mm-hmm. but I did it and uh, she she was reluctant at first to do, to give me any information about this show for the show but now she's totally on board now and I think she's actually very excited about the prospect of being a star of a story in Edinburgh you know she's never she's never got to perform herself so you know now she's now she gets to be the centre of the story yeah how has the story evolved from when you originally had the idea? Because as you said, it's not kind of something every son talks about. No. So how has that evolved from when you had the idea to what it is now? Well, I sort of had the idea in January when I, I went on a writing retreat with my friend James. And we went, we just like hired out an Airbnb in someone's garden. It was like a shed really. And uh, we just like started, I started talking about my mum going on dates. And he's like, oh, that's a really interesting thing. You've, I've never heard anyone talk about that. Uh, and I was like, because that's just normal to me, right? I just that's just like my childhood, so I didn't really think it was that interesting. And then he was like, oh no, no one, you know, that, that's quite unusual. And I was like, oh, okay, I can talk more about that. So then we just started. I tell you, I basically sat with him and just told him all the boyfriends that I remembered. And then we started writing jokes around it. And then we started structuring the show. And, and I guess it's changed because it's become more fully formed, and the ending has become uh, like bigger. And you know, like I've obviously made more out of the ending because obviously with any story you have to choose where you're going to end it. Like because obviously the story actually is ongoing, mm-hmm. um, but you have to like set a point where you go right. That's where the end. That's where this story is going to end. And that was a process of uh, that sort of changed over time. Like it, it, the sh- the story became shorter basically. The time frame in which it existed became shorter, uh, and that was because it just felt too much to talk about. Um, and it felt like we were rattling through the years too much. We were just skipping over years. So uh, it now exists between the age of 7 and 14, I think. My age is of 7, 14. Uh, so 
Yeah, whereas before it went up to almost the modern day, which I think was just too much. So that's yeah, I guess it's changed in that way. It's got it's got more tight. Although that being said, you said it's an ongoing story. Next yeah. year at the Fringe sequel. Yeah, do Single Mum Plus One, uh, Volume Two. She's back. <laughs> um, she's, she's putting it about again. Uh, that would be good in a poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, next year should be my dad's turn, really, if I'm going to even it up. You know? yeah. Oh, but here's the thing: my dad comes up to every fringe, right, with his current wife, um, and he always looks forward to coming. Uh, but this year, he does have to come watch a show about his ex-wife, which I think is is he's making out as if he doesn't mind, but that mm. is not ideal, is it? To be yeah. watching the show, but about our dating life as well. When he left, yeah, you know, he d- stuff he doesn't even know. He's actually going to find out stuff that he has no idea about. So that's going to be fun for him. But I'm yeah. also going to make him pay for the privilege as well. So I'm not going to oh, give him yeah. a free ticket. Absolutely. Every, every penny counts up for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hopefully, I mean, also probably might be quite awkward for his ex-wife. Uh, sorry, his new wife. Mm. You know, watching a show about his ex-wife. It's, 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 it's a messy situation. It'll make Christmas definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but uh, I hope they won't come on the same day. That's the main thing. That right. would be really, that would be too risky. I think that would be a bit too much having yeah. them both in the yeah. same venue. I don't yeah. want to advise, I'm not your, your manager, but I personally would yeah, say that. Yeah, I don't think I should manage that situation. Yeah. But hey, I just think, like, I've, I've sort of run out of stories from other people. Sorry, I've run out of, sort of my own stories, so now I've moved on to other people. Uh, so this year's my mum, and next year I'll do, like, my auntie Linda's battle with asthma or something, you know? Like, I just, I'll just get through the family. That'll keep you going for a few years. Yeah, do you I have got, a big family? Ten more years, yeah. <laughs> Are you nervous about your mum coming along and seeing the show? Yeah, I am. I genuinely am a bit. Uh... It's been, she nearly came and saw it in London just before I came up to the French, but I decided not to because I was, I just didn't, I didn't want her to see it in a less than ideal environment. So she's coming in a few, about a week's time. And yeah, I'm really nervous. I think she's nervous, but I think she'll like it. I think the show's really good. And I think she comes across well. Uh, and a few of her friends have seen it and like reported back. So I think she's less nervous now. But they've been like winding her up and stuff, saying that, oh, no. saying things like, "Oh God, Lorna, you come across very badly." And <laughs> and she keeps ringing me up, going, "What have you said? Who have you? Have you changed the names?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, I haven't changed the names." <laughs> uh, but uh, she, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be good. It'd be probably a bit emotional. I, I'm not gonna tell the audience that she's in until the end. Oh, okay. I think it might it might make it weird. Yeah. I'm just trying to think because if you're not gonna tell the audience that she's in, I'm gonna have to do a little bit of editing here. It'll be fine. Oh, because I said the date. Mm. That's fine, don't worry. It'll be fine. It'll it's be fine. good. Some people can know. Yeah. But Spoilers. It can't be widely. Yeah. I think most audience won't know. <laughs> Where can people find out about you and the show online? Oh, um, if you go to my website, um, I've got lots of videos that you can watch me doing comedy. Uh, not about my mum. I do I do talk about other stuff other than my mum as well. Uh, 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 it's stevebougere.com. Steve, spelled the normal way. And then Bougea is spelled B-U-G-E-J-A, Bugger uh, And uh, yeah, always search on YouTube, whatever, and watch me. And then, yeah, the ticket links are all on my website. And come along, half seven, every night. It's really nice. It's good. It's funny. Really funny. There you go. You heard it from the man himself. Thank you for your time today. Oh, thanks for having me. Steve is playing his show Single Mum up at Just the Fancy Room at the Caves from the 13th until the 25th. Now, my next guest is Jacob Hawley, and we had a chat about his show. It's called Faliaraki. How are you today, Jacob? You I'm well? good, man. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you for having me on. My I absolute pleasure, it. sir. Tell me about your show here at the Edinburgh Fringe. My show is called Falaraki. Um, and so it's about a lad's holiday I went on when I was 18 to the Greek resort of Falaraki. 
so that's the sort of daft description of it. The, the more sort of serious highbrow description is that it's the retelling of two love stories in a way that discusses feminism and mental health from a working class perspective. So yeah. it's, it's your pick, whichever one of those you want to dissect. <laughs> I'm not sure where to begin with that one. <laughs> yeah, it's ambitious. Yeah. And uh, it's good. I'm enjoying it. How long have you been working on the show for? Um, that's a good question, actually. I mean, ostensibly, I'd say a year since the last one, but I, d- I did sort of have the idea for it a little bit before that. And obviously, I mean, it, it, like I say, it's loosely based on this lads holiday I went on when I was 18, uh, in which I fell in love with a Slovakian lady called Magica, and then I nearly moved to Slovakia. I, c- I cancelled university, booked flights to Slovakia, then found out that she was sleeping with my best friend the whole time. So, I, yeah, so, okay, and that was 10 years ago. So ever since then, I sort of thought that will make something one day, you know, <laughs> that at some point that there'll be a way of uh, turning that into content. So I guess, I guess the idea has been there for a little while, but in terms of actually writing the show, it's been a year now. What's the expression tragedy plus time equals comedy? Yeah. And it, do you know what? It was a, it was a solid amount of tragedy and there's also been a solid amount of time. So in terms of that, uh, in terms of that formula, I'm hoping that this will be a winner, this show. And what's been the joys of putting it together and also the hard parts about putting it together? Yeah, like, for me, in terms of the process, I think the joy of putting this one together has been that I've been writing to a purpose. So I've known what I've wanted to do with it. I've known what I wanted to talk about. It's not, it's not that I've just taken a load of loose ideas that aren't really interlinked and tried to throw them together. So I think it's, it, as a show, it's quite cohesive. The, st- the struggle is just that I've only had, uh, I say, a year, it's 10 months, really. And on top of that, I've been, especially in the last few months, sort of busy with other little things. Like I did a little Radio 4 stand-up special. Um, I've got my podcast on BBC Sounds as well. So that this, the struggle has just been the time aspect. But it's, I think it's come together I, the ending of the show i don't want to say because it'll be a bit of a spoiler but the ending of the show i sort of worked out maybe a week before the fringe started um, that's cutting it a bit close it's cutting it close but I'm, i am really happy with the ending i think i think it's an ending that no one else on the fringe has ever done right i don't, and I don't want to spoil mm. anything but it's uh it's an ending that shows a good amount of commitment to the cause, I think it's fair to say. So, yeah, so we'll, I, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, I think it's the first time anyone's done it on the fringe. I want to ask so many questions, but I can't because you've <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah I'm, I'm quite proud of it. What I'll ask is, you mentioned there was a week you, but to go, and then it all came together, the ending came together. What, yeah. how... What, much, how, how, did how much happen? did you crap yourself and how how did the end come it, together? I did, I, did, I did crap myself a little bit because this is only the second show I've done and last year was was my, my first show. And so in theory, I had a few years, the few years I've been doing comedy, I'd been essentially working towards that show. So with that one, I probably knew what it was a lot earlier in the process. I think I was fortunate with this show. I, like now Now that I'm a bit more... In, in the game, so to speak. I know a few more people. And so uh, other comics I'm friends with who've done four, five, six shows, they, they, they were sort of like, it is fine. You will. I think naturally it's, it's that thing of working to a deadline where in the last couple of hours before the deadline, your head spins two times faster than it does, yeah. you know, earlier in the process. So I, I, was, I was kind of confident that I would work something out. I didn't think it'd be this, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, did, like, I really don't want to spoil it, um, but yeah, I, I'm 
the ending is something that I'm really I, I like I, I want people to see it because I've, I've committed an awful lot to it <laughs> it sounds like it's kind of a personal show but you put Very human into yeah hugely personal D- is that difficult yeah it's really taxing Emotionally speaking, because um, you have to do it every night as well. You're telling you have to story. do it every night, and you have to talk about very personal things every night. And I, I wouldn't say they're traumatic things specifically. I mean, there, there's a bit of pathos in there, but it is something I would probably uh, <laughs> not reconsider next year. But especially when you think about the context in which we're doing this, like, and I've probably got slightly too into the headspace, like you said, the tragedy plus time thing. I'm probably I've probably programmed myself a little bit strangely to process things into comedy a bit too quickly. And there are times, I remember, I, I'm a really big fan of Mike Skinner, you know, The Streets. Yeah, yeah. And I remember listening to him. He, he's, so he wrote a book called The Story of the Streets, and you can get it on like platforms where you can hear him actually retelling the book. And he talks about a song called Dry Your Eyes, the, the hit mm. about yeah. breaking up with someone, which is a really like, smart song where he he sort of gives a really emotional account of a break of a breakup without actually talking about emotions the whole song is just physical actions i moved my hand i did this blah blah, blah. but he, he he sort of says like he, he's been doing that song for nearly 15 years at festivals and stuff and of course he isn't still uh crying about that breakup when he does the song but there is still s- something of like reopening a wound every time you do especially he's got another song actually i, j- I just talk about him all the time <laughs> that's fine <laughs> i hope he does the same but he um he, he's welcome to come on this show I'll, I'll, I'll email him he um he he's got another song called never went to church about his dad dying and I, I went to see him this year and he's still crying on stage when he does that song really and so i think you know not to i can't compare myself to him at all i'm performing to less than 50 people in a sweaty room in Scotland most of the time. <laughs> I think he's just finished an international tour in New Zealand. But he, uh, I, I think there is something about that when you do stuff that's quite personal with like, you do have to reopen wounds a lot and you do. And I'm actually really worried about my parents seeing this show because yeah. there's this thing I sort of talk about, not overly dark stuff, but there's a, there's a bit of uh, stuff about mental health problems and stuff like that that I haven't actually spoke to them about personally. So I'm I'm actually quite frightened of them seeing this one. Even even though my first show I spoke about them a lot. Yeah. And I said you know I took the piss out of them viciously in my first show. <laughs> but they they were cool with that because they they you know they can take the piss and they're fine. I think this one I'm actually really worried about them seeing because I think there's some there's some stuff I talk about specifically at the end of the show about the sort of struggles I've had that I haven't spoken to them about personally. And so I'm quite worried about their reaction to that. So yeah, it is it is difficult doing stuff so openly autobiographical and personal there is and you mentioned it there you touched on it there there is no matter how much time goes on like if you're sitting on the train and a song comes on that reminds you of somebody and no matter how much time goes on it'll still come back when you listen to a song or somebody says something which reminds you of the person it it all comes back it must be difficult well I think so. I, I read I read something about um, I read this really good book by a guy called John Gray about memory last year and about how memories work. And he has this theory that you don't actually remember the specific situation or incident. You remember the last time yeah. you remembered it. Have you heard about that? Yeah. And uh, do you know what? It's really interesting. I had a bit in my last show, um, and it was about an encounter that I had at Berlin Airport uh, a few years ago at the start of the migrant crisis, where I was at Berlin Airport at the time that Germany were taking in a lot of refugees, and myself and my friend saw 
about 100 people who'd travelled from the other side of Europe who were sort of African and Middle Eastern refugees who'd been taken into Germany. And we saw these people actually walk in front of us, holding all their belongings, some of them not wearing shoes, you know, carrying children. And it's like, it's one of the most visceral things I'd ever seen, like pure humanity walk in front of you. You know, the the, the sort of extremity of of how much certain people can suffer and how, how others can look after them. And it, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. However, I had a bit of material about it in my last show. So I did that 25 times at Edinburgh, 20 times in previews, a few times on, not tour, but taking it around the country. I don't remember that incident now. If I try and remember that incident now, I just remember being in a dark room, saying it into a microphone with a light shining on me. So that, that, that memory's gone. So, and I, I think that's probably, there, there are things within this show now that I'm talking about that are quite personal incidents that at the moment I can still remember the incident, whereas I'm pretty sure by the end of Edinburgh, I won't. I'll, I'll just remember the retelling of it. Um, so I don't know whether that answers your question, but I think it's quite oh, it an does. interesting it's thing fun. about memory. <laughs> what's also quite interesting about memory, and we're going way off topic here, but what's interesting about memory is that I read that you don't actually remember pain. Like if you fall and break your arm, mm. you'll remember breaking your arm and you'll remember... This, the feelings you felt about that, but you won't remember you the won't, pain. You won't remember the specific feeling. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that's, that's probably like a sort of flaw in our in our psyche, isn't it? Because it's one of those things where if we remembered pain properly, we'd probably avoid doing things more that yeah. causes pain. I mean, every, every time I drink 10 pints and think that I can wake up the next morning, mm. I'm forgetting the pain that that's going to cause yeah. me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's probably true, man. <laughs> How are you enjoying being back at the Fringe again? I'm re I'm really enjoying it. I feel very strange. I mean, look, it's four days or well, actually, it's nearly a week now. I've been here. Um, it, it's a really strange feeling because last year was like, and I think it's a I think it's a problem in comedy that we have this big thing about debuts. You know, you, we so much attention, and it's much easier for me to say this now that I'm not doing one. But there, so much attention is given to people's debut their first year, and so I kind of feel a little bit away from that now. I feel like there's slightly less. Um, pressure and that's quite relaxing but then there are times where you're like you know we're, we're obviously all ego driven there's times where it's like why aren't they talking about me you know <laughs> but then but then my name should be here yeah exactly exactly but then, but at the same time i am enjoying I, I feel really relaxed this year and it's like i've i've got a few little exciting things that i know i'm going to do after the fringe already um so yeah I, I feel i feel good i feel really nice it's it's I, I really love this show i prefer this show to last year's show and I, I just love doing it i just really want more people to come sounds like a comfortable position to be in though it's all right it's all right it's it's i think you can never quite be comfortable doing this you can only ever really plan like three months ahead yeah <laughs> which is when the current invoices will be paid but it's <laughs> yikes <laughs> but it's yeah I, I, it, it's quite nice i feel really relaxed this year i think the most important thing with any of this is just having a show that you like that you're proud of and that you enjoy doing and i'm lucky enough to have that and i think so long as that's all good and so long as i keep improving it every day that's that's one thing i'm really trying to do is make something better every single day i think as long as i keep doing that'll be good where can people find out more information about you online and about the show so uh they can find out more about me on twitter at hawley jacob um on instagram at jacob hawley 
Uh, I've, I've got a website actually. I keep forgetting that yeah. I have that until once a year GoDaddy phoned me and asked for 40 quid. But <laughs> Every so often GoDaddy phoned me and it's like, hi, I'm from GoDaddy. I just want to know if there's anything I can do for you. No. If, I, yeah. if, if, I, if there was something you could do for me, I would ask you. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, and then give me 40 pounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've got I've, jacobhawley.hdk is my website. So all the information to everything is on there. Jacob, thank you for your time today. Mate, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, sir. Faliaraki is by Jacob Hawley. He is playing it up at Just the Tonic at the Mash House from the 13th until the 25th. And Ray, Bre- Ray Badran is how you say it. Ray Badran. He was next to join me up on the couch. And before we started, we wanted to make sure that he got a special dedication across. He wanted to dedicate this interview to somebody. <laughs> this is the Peter Greenwood Show. And right at the start, could you tell me your name and what you do, please? My name is Ray Badran. And um, I'm a comedian, stand-up comedian. And who are so we dedicating this interview to? I'm dedicating this to my uh, PR agent, uh, Flory, who's <laughs> been so lovely. Flory's uh, a bit lovely, hasn't yeah, she? She's the best. <laughs> so she's also just sitting right in front yeah, of me. She's so, yeah, she's about three feet away from us. <laughs> so, yeah. we, she, I hope Flory yeah. doesn't hit us when we're yeah. done with this. In the other interviews, I really I slag her off in most of the other interviews, but yeah, she's just sitting in front of me, so <laughs> it'll be nice. <laughs> Tell me about your show. I understand this is your debut at yeah. Fringe. Yeah, this is my first show here, and it's been um, it's been so much fun. Uh, I love it so. I mean, I, I shouldn't speak too soon, but uh, it's been it's been going really cool, uh, great, and I'm um, just love it, man. I'm just so so uh, so pleased to be part of uh, the Fringe, and and yeah. As a comedian, yeah. is the Fringe somewhere you hear about regularly? Like somewhere you should play? Is the word spreading? Uh, yeah, totally. Like um. I mean, I think it's it is the biggest arts festival in the world, and then you got you also hear about Montreal, and and then being from Australia, you hear a bit about Melbourne Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. But like, it all pales. I mean, Mon- Montreal seems pretty cool because it's an invite only festival, but Edinburgh, as far as like uh, festivals go, it's the you know it's the it's the holy grail sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Although my dream is to go to the Melbourne Festival, maybe Flory will take me along someday. Yeah, but that's more of a holiday dream for you, isn't it? Like yeah, it's the. Uh, I don't mind a working holiday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'd love to do the Barbados oh, uh, comedy good. festival. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you tell three jokes, then it's like, okay, I'm done, off to the beach. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. want to see the rest of his show? We're over yeah. here at the bar. I mean, the gigs would probably be really shit, but yeah, it'll be a fun holiday. Yeah. So tell me about your show. What is it? What's what's it about? My show is about um, just all, all the big issues in life, um, like computers and sandwiches. Um, I love a sandwich. And uh, jackets. Um, what else do I talk about? Pizza. So just, yeah, and, and a lot of stuff in my apartment as mm. well. So I talk about that kind of stuff. They do, mean, say, they do say, say what you see. Yeah, to talk about what you know. So That's it. That's what I. That's what I try to do. When when you when you have to apply for a fringe show, right? When you when you you have to fill out a form, and it, has to, it talks about like what the warnings in your show. So I have like smoking is one of them, and like violence or swearing, and you have to sort of tick these if you've got these in your show. And one of them says walking, and I I didn't know what to do, and I thought, oh, well, I'd like the option to walk, <laughs> so I checked it. <laughs> I thought, how else do they expect me to get out on stage? <laughs> and then I checked, like, just a, a week before the Fringe. My show is actually advertised as, like, a walking tour. <laughs> so it's not a walking tour. If you're listening, uh, yeah. No, no walking to be done, actually. It's stationary. Yeah. 
But stationary yeah. for the audience, I imagine you yeah. can move around if you yeah, wish. Yeah, that's well, that's why I checked it. But yeah, I would, I would actually much prefer the audience not to walk. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it taken you to put your show together for the Fringe? Um, I mean, I did my first well because I I I, I live in London now. And I've been doing comedy in Australia for a little bit of time. It just took me a while to sort of... Uh, it's not massively different, but uh, just acclimatise to the different styles and stuff like that and make my stand-up a bit more... It's generally universal because it's quite observational, but just get rid of any sort of local references and stuff like that and make it more... So I did a preview. I did the first hour I've ever done outside of Australia in London in about... Uh, at February this year, and then I've sort of done a, f- a few try- tries of it since then, and then yeah, so but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, the show's always still sort of evolving and, and, and changing and stuff like that, so um, um, but but yeah, man, so so um, it, it, I, I don't really know how to answer it perfectly. I mean, it, I, I'd say it took, took me first time I, I did now was in in February and and I've just sort of continued on from there to the fringe you know trying to trying to do it in various comedy clubs and then yeah that's it how are you enjoying being at the fringe oh man like I said before I've, I'm absolutely loving it I, uh, I, I I didn't think I'd love it this much so I, I've really fallen in love with it and I, I hope I can do it um, I hope I can do it more and more often it's like uh, what I was planning on doing because my first year at the fringe I was just going to do the setups of all my jokes this year, and then if they invite me back, I'd do the punchlines next year. So oh. just just to get people coming back to the show, like I mean, a sequel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why did a chicken cross the road? Find out in three hundred and sixty-five days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get people coming back. <laughs> Where can people find out more about you and about the show online? Uh, well, my web. If you want to go to my website, it's uh, my my name raybadron.com, and um, I'm, I'm also on Twitter under Ray Badron and um and yeah obviously all the all the, the various fringe websites and stuff like that will have uh show details and, and bio and stuff like that as well. So um and yeah, so check that out. Thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you very much for your time, mate. Ray Badran's show is called Everybody Loves Ray, man, and it's one of those shows that makes me wish I had a cooler name that fit into things cooler than just Peter Green. Well that doesn't fit into anything. There's no puns you can make about peter greenwood which just kind of sucks for me anyway everybody loves rayman is playing at the cellar in the pleasance courtyard from the 13th until the 25th now finally my next guest today my last guest today over to me up at brooks bar to introduce him and my next guest needs no introduction but i'm going to give him one or else you won't know who he is ladies and gentlemen Frank Skinner on this pooky little show. How are you, Frank? Let's not start with self-deprecation, Peter. For goodness <laughs> sake, you're doing a fantastic job, and I'm happy and proud to be here. I'm going to cry. Don't cry. I literally grew up watching you, and you just said something so nice to me. Oh, well, that's um, obviously made me feel quite old, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I meet a lot of people there who said, when I was at school, I used to watch your VHSs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's all right. That's what it's all about, is sticking at it. Yep. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your Fringe show. You're up here doing stand-up. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, look, um, this is an easy question for most um, comedians nowadays because they can talk about the um, theme that's entwined through the whole show and how it's about some serious moment from their life that they've found some comedy in. But um, I don't 
do those shows. At this point, I might do one later on. My shows are basically about making the audience laugh as many times and as loudly as I can. So my show is a sort of more, it's in the same Venn diagram as tickling. <laughs> right. So there are no um, or very few profound messages or, um, or journeys for the audience to go on. It's all just stories. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, I'm, I'm a sort of a old-fashioned comedian, I suppose. And it doesn't mean that I'll any, anything goes by any stretch. I, um, I only want them to laugh at things I want them to laugh at. But, um, yeah, I, there's, there's no story. It's not about anything other than me and my life. What's been the audience feedback to it? Because obviously you're Laughter. Frank Skinner. Have you been enjoying the audience feedback? Yeah. The audience is... Um, they've been great, actually. They've been um, a very mixed bunch of people, and um, which I really like. And, I mean, all age groups and loads, you know, probably equally balanced men and women. It's not like the day when they used to be... Um, 30 blokes with football shirts in the front row. That's There's a few of them left, but not many. And um, they've laughed heartily. And it's been really incredibly pleasurable thus far. Do you still enjoy getting up on stage and doing stand-up? Well, you know, most people at this festival are here for because they want to be discovered or they want, you know, fame and fortune. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to want. Um, I could have come here like I think most sort of face comics do. And if I took the amount of tickets I've sold at this festival, I could have done three or four nights at the Playhouse and then cleared off. But I wanted to be here because um, I wanted to be here. I like the festival. I like sitting with you in a bar talking uh, i like um bumping into comics in sainsbury's you know i was on the way to get grocery today i saw phil cornwell we talked uh a bloke stopped me in sainsbury's to tell me about um four recitals he was doing in edinburgh about uh, involving carnegie the famous scottish philanthropist and so i love the festival i love the whole experience of it i don't need to be here I'm here for uh, for love. That's an important distinction, especially as Adam, as you said, so many people are here to try and be discovered, to try and and advance I did their do careers. that. And I'm, I'm, you know, I I think uh, ambition is one of the words that's become. Uh, I know when I was doing comedy on the circuit in the eighties, ambition was if you were called ambitious, that's about the worst adjective you could have applied to. That was unforgivable. Why why is that? Because we were supposed to be like travelling medieval troubadours, you know, we were supposed to not want that. We were there just for the joy of it and all that. I think it's possible to have to have both. Not that I was incredibly driven, but when it came I was very happy to embrace it. And how has the show evolved from when you started plotting it to where it is now? Does it? Do you update it as it goes along? Yeah, I I tell you what. One thing I've found, I've been doing this for thirty two years now, and I used to be able to get a show together, and once it became fairly bulletproof and all the laughs were working, then I'd leave it and just do that show over and over. 
I've found that my boredom thresholds are not what they were, so I need to keep tinkering and adding bits and changing it for me more than anything else. And I also think one of the most uh, destructive phrases in modern life is, if you ain't broke, don't fix it. Because um, not being broke is um, the lowest possible consideration. You want to always improve things as much as you can. That's interesting you mentioned about the boredom and wanting to leave shows alone because you do a radio show as well on Absolute Radio. Does that keep your interest? Well, the thing is about that is it is incredibly freeform. And um, it doesn't, that feels less like work and more like me than anything else I do professionally. Um, And the idea of being bored on the radio show, I mean, until you've mentioned it, the, the thought of that is so outrageous. Like it is, it's basically three people talking and it seems to get funnier and funnier. I think partly because there is no audience. I think when you're a stand-up and you start improvising and fooling around, the first line you hit that doesn't get a laugh, you think, oh, that's a no-entry sign. I'm stepping out of this subject and going back to the safe ground. On the radio, you don't know that first joke didn't get a laugh. So you go to the next stage and the next stage. And often at the end of what felt like a cul-de-sac, there's a great deal of of riches and um, lots of comedy. So I think the radio really is, um, it's it's one of my great uh, joys. And is that something you're going to do for a while longer? Well, we just had our 10th anniversary. Again, I don't want to be one of these, you know, I know of a few celebrity radio hosts who um, pre-record everything so they don't want to get up early in the morning. Someone Mm. else drives the desk. Yeah. I wanted to be... My main uh, source for doing a radio show was um, Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be there doing everything with the headphones on and actually running a radio show. So, um, yeah, I, I hope to do it until, um, until I slump forward on the desk. <laughs> and even then, people will probably think you're doing a bit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Is it, do you ever find that when you're doing radio, because I've been doing this for eight years, that the moment you're in charge of the desk and you're coming to the end of a jingle or the end of a song or whatever it is, and you're watching it wind down and knowing that what comes out your face is what people are going to hear. Do you still enjoy that feeling? Oh, I mean, totally. See, I think that a great deal of radio that I hear when I'm in the car or whatever, I think you could replace those links, what is said between the music with blah, 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 just someone saying blah, 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 and you wouldn't lose any any real content from the show. Definitely. And I really want to not be that person. So I'm always, I, you know, I, I, I want the audience to be gripped. I don't, want, I don't want it to be background. I want them to give them interesting stuff and stuff they haven't thought about before. And also, one of the radio's given me one of the things that I've sort of dreamt of my whole life. You do a punchline and then you hit the button and music starts. <laughs> it's like the old that the, yeah. the, the old um, comics used to have. And uh, that, the timing on that gets ever more 
uh, pleasurable. I used to have a little literal rim shot on my system, and whenever I'd made a joke, I'd just press it. Yeah, well, exactly. And I, I mean, I love all that, but mainly just the talk, three people talking um, and being funny and being interesting. I think if you're on radio, you've got to be funny or interesting. If you can do both, you're really cracking it. If you're doing neither then you should be replaced by a bot. Yeah, you're just collecting a paycheck at that point. Exactly. And um, I, um, I, I am really quite unforgiving of that because I know there's a lot of people out there who can do it. And there's people in there who are doing it who just won't get out the seat and move over. You have just touched on one of my biggest pet peeves. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to do this Oops. off air because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you're very laid back about it. Yes, I have I have no strong opinions at all. No, good. How long are you performing up here for The Fringe? Are you here for a whole month? I uh, know I'm doing uh, it's about three weeks. Three weeks. Um, but it's, um, it's good for me because uh, three weeks is enough to really wallow and to see loads of shows... And to just, you know, be at the Edinburgh Festival. And then my family's coming up for the third week, so I've got a seven-year-old, and, I'll, you know, I'm going to do the, the kids' circuit <laughs> with him. And he'll just love walking around the Royal Mile and seeing, you know, all that stuff going on. You know, I walked down the Royal Mile on Saturday, and I thought I'd witnessed an accident, and it was street theatre and <laughs> stuff like that. Well, you really don't want to get mugged at the moment on the Royal Mile because yeah. no one will think it's the real thing yeah uh, but it uh you know the whole city is a is a show so i'm keen to share that with him he came up here when he was two and a half and he didn't appreciate it but i think at seven you can really go with it yeah i do think there is something about edinburgh coming alive this is the first time i've been out the fringe but i've seen programs about it and stuff and it the city takes on a new life it almost breathes itself because everything is a show yeah, I suppose um, I like to think that the big influx of people sort of fires it up. Like when you meet, it's like that the city's gone to a party and met a load of new people. Yeah. But I'm constantly meeting more and more than when I, you know, I first came here in, in 87. And then most Edinburgh people I spoke to were bitterly resentful about the festival. They moaned about the traffic and, and everyone here. And I meet less and less people like that now and more Edinburgh people who absolutely embrace it and look forward to it every year. I don't know whether it's because you're the ones who are just leaving the city and I don't <laughs> yeah. meet them. But there are a lot of Edinburgh people who absolutely love it. And, you know, because you don't want it. You know, when I'm up here, I always go and see Scottish stuff comics or plays or whatever because i don't want to feel like i'm not in edinburgh or not in scotland so i like the fact i always ask at the beginning of the show how many scots we've got in the audience and um i like it when it's a high percentage you know this is the voice of frank skinner frank thank you for your time today it's um it's been a joy and um and good luck with all of it it's uh, have a brilliant festival Thank you, sir. You too. Enjoy the shows. Cheers. Thank you. Frank Skinner is playing at the Gordon Aikman Theatre from the 10th until the 18th. And it's sold out, but you may be able to get tickets on the door if you're very, very lucky. If there's a cancellations or something, maybe you can get in. But Frank is sold out. 
And that's it. Almost, because I've got a bonus episode coming for you tomorrow. If you listen to the radio show, you'll know a few weeks ago, I had a bunch of guests join me via telephone and in person to sit and talk about their upcoming shows at The Fringe, and I'm going to be bringing you that episode tomorrow. It's just a little little extra bonus, a little extra taste, a sous-son, if you will. So, that is for tomorrow. Thank you very much for your patience, and I'll see you then. Bye, every single body bye.